Hello and welcome to Mobile Interactions Now, the podcast where industry pros share first-hand experiences on making mobile interactions work. I'm Chris and I'm part of the team here at Tintech. On today's episode, we're joined by Shane Snow. Shane is an award-winning journalist, author, and entrepreneur. Shane is the author of books such as Dream Teams, as well as one of the co-founders of Contently. Shane talked with Gene about what teams can do to adjust their workflows and habits in this current coronavirus climate. So here is part one of our conversation with Shane Snow. Take it away, Gene. Shane, welcome to the show. We gave an intro in the beginning, uh, but I'm sure our listeners would love to hear from you directly. So can you just uh, tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Shane Snow. I am from Idaho. And I, what I do is I'm a writer. And I really see those two things as, as my identity. Uh, grew up in a small town in the country, uh, moved around the world, lived a lot in Latin America and, uh, and now in New York City, mostly. And I, I write, I do journalism. And, uh, and a lot of what I write about is business and psychology. And so I've ended up doing a lot of business and psychology work as well. It is absolutely awesome to have you on the show today. Um, quite honestly, a personal honor to have you um, on many That's so levels. nice of you. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Contently that I'm using, the company that you co-founded, as well as uh, books you wrote and Dream Teams, to name just one. So it, it's, oh, it's going you. to be fun today. Anyway, um, so... As I was thinking about what topic I could possibly discuss um, that would be helpful for our listeners in this um, extraordinary time that we are going through together, uh, you know, as with the uh, coronavirus outbreak, I realized uh, something that we professionals all have in common right now is really having to work from home remotely. And some of us are more used to working remotely and some are just, you know, getting the kinks out of their old habit before they get into a new rhythm. So let me just start there by asking how things are with your team, um, either at Contently or any other hobby teams that you have. (laughs) And if there are any changes triggered by this. So what's interesting about contently is we started the company to help uh, journalists meet clients and work with them. And by design, it was about facilitating remote work. So we started with journalists and reporters and then editors, and we added content strategists and photographers. And, and so there's a network of freelance professionals around the world that contently helps uh, connect with companies that want to do content and content marketing. And part of the, the pitch originally was if you need a great writer in Alaska, but you don't want to fly, you don't want to find someone first and then fly them to Alaska, we might have someone in our database that's a professional that can do the work from Alaska for you. And so that was really the, the original use case that we built the company around. And since then, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's gotten bigger and, and become more about managing the content marketing process. But it was all built around this idea that you don't need to be in the same spot to get the best work. In fact, sometimes the best worker uh, is going to be far away. And so we built tools to, to help with all of the little things that, uh, that you need to do to make that, uh, that easier. 
So what's interesting about now, the, the core Contently team during this time of, you know, coronavirus are all working from home. And now, you know, most of them have been used to working in the same office together. You know, you need something, you tap someone on the shoulder, you, you look and you see, oh, they're still in the meeting, I'll wait. All those little things that, that you get, those, those great cues, social cues when you're in the office together. Now, none of the core team uh, can do that. They're all working, you know, over Skype and Slack and, you know, Zoom and, um, and, uh, and so they now have had to live in the shoes of our freelancers and our clients. The good news is a lot, uh, you know, all the, the last 10 years of, of working contently has made it a very easy transition for, for our staff, but there is a, a component that now I think a lot of the team has a lot more empathy for, which is if you're working from home, even if you're not in a quarantine, it can be very isolating. It can, uh, you know, it can be hard to to not get depressed or burnt out to not work too much, right? If you're working from your kitchen table, then your your life and your meals and your work and your family and everything is all in one spot, and uh, and so there's extra things that you need to do in order to keep sane, keep productive, and so that I think is giving the team a little extra dose of empathy for all of these freelancers that we've been helping out over the years. That oh, you know, it's not just about making work easy and helping people get work. There's also this very important psychological component to, uh, to doing your best and feeling your best when you're working from home. So I think that's something that's, that's changed recently with this. And I'm, you know, there's going to be only a few silver linings, I think, to, to this crisis going on, you know, we'll be better prepared for the next one and all of that. There's a lot of sadness going on. But one of those silver linings, I think, is uh, increased empathy for those who, who do work with remote workers. And I think hopefully, we'll find that it's it's going to be a lot easier for people to, uh, for bosses to be okay with their, their teammates working from home in the future. You know, when this is all over, you know, hopefully it's, it's not too long, but if, if someone needs to work from home because their kid's sick, um, you know, we are now getting used to being able to do this. And I think there will be more comfort around that. So I'm glad for that. It's really interesting you talking about the cultural changes that is happening surrounding this whole uh, remote work situation. And I, th- I think it's really important to really look at it because that, that is really what's new, new. It's not really just a remote working. But if you were to actually look at some of the uh, companies, I'm guessing companies like Contently is um, more better equipped in a way to to orchestrate this kind of a collaboration. But if you were to look at the mainstream companies, businesses, large and small, uh, where you think we are at in terms of being able to provide this um, culturally and, and, and tool set wise, are we pretty much ready um, to kind of uh, um, handle these situations, you think? Uh, no, I don't think anyone's ready, uh, as ready as we wish we would be. But I, I think that it's more natural. W- remote work is more natural than than a lot of people have been afraid of. I think the transition's been hard, but easier for many than than it could be. I think there's there's different types of companies that are having an easier and, and harder time. Companies that are high tech in the tech industry are already used to a lot of remote collaboration tools. You know, group chat and you know, video conferencing. Companies that are less in the tech industry, you know, if you're in the agriculture industry and you're still, you know, doing work, you may have a big business team, big operations team, but they may not be as used to, um, 
you know, to remote work and, and video conferencing and, and even, you know, all of the considerations around when should you do a video call? When can you take thing, care of things over email, you know, when you can't talk to people in person? So I, I think that there's a lot of companies that, that haven't been as prepared uh, for this and, and will require some extra help. And then there's also companies that there's security issues. You know, if you work in the finance industry, for example, you may have to have to work from a, a secure computer terminal in your office. So now if you're working from home, your security team has to figure out how you can log in from home into your remote terminal, how you can do, you know, communication, team chat, those kinds of things. Uh, you need to now adopt business solutions that uh, that can maintain that security. And that is, you know, is something that I think a lot of companies didn't expect to have to do. Where I've been most focused in my, my work, my own work, um, since the... Uh, you know, the start of the, actually the start of last year, the start of 2019, um, as I've, I'm now, now a board member at Contently, I'm no longer involved in the day-to-day -day operations. Um, the office is around the corner. So normally I go in all the time, um, but I'm, my work is focusing primarily on business and psychology journalism, and then online training programs around things like teamwork and innovation skills. And, uh, and I had been putting together with, uh, with my team, a uh, an online training course for for managers and leaders specifically for things like managing remote teams, managing programmers if you're not a technical person, those kinds of things. So we actually just took the remote work part of our training course and uh, and released it to uh, to help some of these companies that uh, that aren't as well versed in um, in you know best practices and and just you know good uh, solutions for remote work. And what we've seen with uh, with the people who have uh, have taken this course is that it's not for most companies. It's not for lack of technology uh, that gets in the way of, of doing a good job with remote work. You know, very few companies are in that camp of uh, you know the security tech stuff is getting in the way of them being able to log in or do anything. Most of the companies that are having a hard time, it's uh, it's more of the social part of you know as a manager. How much should I be checking in on people? Um, how do I check in on people? As someone who's working from my living room, uh, how do I make sure that I'm not being overwhelmed by communication? Um, how do I manage the relationships with my clients when you know I can't you know go and see them? When's a phone call appropriate? Those kinds of things end up being the things that are are tougher for people. Um, and then of course there are tech uh, tech things that you can do to make things much much easier on yourself. But most people are having a harder time with those social details of just like, I need to solve a problem. I'd normally get a group of people in a room together. How do I do this? How do I coordinate it? How do I would like, do we just do a video call, but we can't hear everyone because 10 people on a video call like is crazy. Um, so th that's the part that I think is, uh, is the hardest transition right now for most companies. Those boundaries, like, it's like, what is... Uh, proper, yeah. What passes as a good practice for certain topics and certain situations? I think it's such a human factor, um, mm -hmm. but I think we we constantly run into this. After all, we we're human using tools and 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 getting that first part. So I mean, um, for communications platforms, businesses like um, uh, my 
company Tintech is in, we are starting uh, increased spike use cases of uh, two-factor authentications and, and, mm. and for um, access management, all those things. So I think what you're talking about, companies start making decisions, um, how to let people work and access certain services that, that are within the walls of corporation and, and all those things are happening. But there's a constant balance between the security and level of access you want to provide. So if you get into that Zen mode a little bit, and then because sometimes it, it, you could be like making point decisions. Okay, uh, so-and-so is in this functionality, you know, approve access for certain things. Is there like a nice balance how to think about this in terms of uh, the, the, the teamwork the access uh, versus security, uh, um, some kind of guiding um, way of approaching this, because it is a hard decision. Uh, we get into um, the fight all the time, yeah. <laughs> even, even at my workplace. So I think there's a couple of underlying principles. You know, every company is different, but a couple of underlying principles that should guide the decision-making around that kind of question that you're talking about. And you said one of them is boundaries. Boundaries are super important for our sanity and, uh, and for our productivity. And you need to, when you're working as a remote team, you need to get more clear on what those boundaries are so that people can do the work they're meant to do so that people don't do things that they shouldn't be doing. Um, and, uh, and so part of it is getting very clear on when, you know, approvals, security, all of that are needed when it's appropriate to contact uh, people in certain ways. I can talk about that, that later. There's a lot about boundaries just around communication and sanity, but from a security standpoint and, uh, and just getting work done standpoint, the other underlying principle is that everything revolves around trust. In a team, everything revolves around trust. And we often default with, you know, with someone who you don't know, we often default to, you have to prove that you're trustworthy before I will trust you with information, with access, that sort of thing. If and the same thing kind of happens when you go from working together in the office to not seeing each other and, and working remotely, that there ends up being this, oh, you have to prove that I can trust you to do this from home, whether we're talking about, you know, working all your hours and, and not just watching YouTube or doing the laundry while you're on the clock, all the way to doing the right things for the company. I can trust you to do this when there's no one, you know, there to potentially look over your shoulder. And, uh, and the thing is about the laziness thing, the, the are you working? Are you doing a good job? You don't, the kind of person that is uh, is going to to be lazy and, and be on the clock and not do the work that they're supposed to do is going to find a way to do that in the office. Yeah, there was a study a few years ago that at JCPenney headquarters, something like 35% of the company bandwidth was being taken up by YouTube of people at the office, you know? And then and it, it's kind of surprising, but really not that surprising. Um, I was told a story by someone uh, that we interviewed for this remote work course of a, uh, an employee who would put on a podcast in their headphones and then open up a crazy spreadsheet and just type like they were doing something crazy and just listen to podcasts all day and act like they were super busy. And in the office, you're like, wow, they are so productive. So just because you can't see each other doesn't mean that uh, human nature has changed. Um, and most people that you have gone through the trouble to hire and to work with and that you respect are going to be worthy of that trust. And so I think, especially in a time right 
time like now where everything is a crisis and uh, and we have to you know use duct tape in some cases to make business still work adding an extra layer of trust of i trust you until uh until you betray that trust rather than you have to earn that trust i think starting from that place with our teammates goes a long way and from a, a brain science standpoint showing someone trust actually creates a mirror effect of where they are more likely to trust you if you have trusted them first and a lot of managers and leaders they they wait for you to do that with them you trust you know the employee trusts you as the boss and the employee shows that they're worthy of trust but if as the manager if you flip that you say i'm going to trust you i'm not going to breathe down your neck because i know you're working from home but i trust you and i'm going to trust you to do the right thing to log in right to you know do the security procedures whatever, here's the guidelines, but I'm going to leave this accountability on you. Um, that will create a trust relationship in most cases. Now, if you're working with people that you can't trust and you know that, then, you know, now is the time to, uh, you know, to work on that problem. Um, but, uh, but for the most part, starting with a trust first and get trust back standpoint, I think is really key. It's a very fundamental, you know, approach as as an organization, you you have to start really um, embracing, and, and I think it's such a, a nurturing process in a way because mm-hmm. it, it it doesn't you don't push that button. There's no such button mm-hmm. to do that. So I mean, and, and then I sometimes I go into this uh, tech-minded people where their default set, um, you know, is uh, zero trust. So you know, build a system that you don't ha- that is not even a, a, a question first. So I think there there's just philosophical difference that we as a human being had to had to you know uh, decide. But right now, in addition to that cultural, okay, so the organization has certain existing cultural mode, you know, that, that mm-hmm. how much trust I can put. But it looks like what we are uh, experiencing right now is, is real scalability issue as well. So mm-hmm. if you're uh, letting um, not many system is built to get everybody access at the same time like this. Yeah. So um, I think there needs to be, and I'm assuming companies, um, you know, like Contently, because you guys are mostly platform-based and, mm-hmm. and, and that's where most of the work is happening. And I, you might um, have been building systems that are more geared towards the scalability, but not many companies are looking at that. And, and, and is this a new reality that people start really think about full capacity, like scale uh, of a remote collaboration, you think? I think so. Yeah, no, I think you're right on that uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing that that a lot of us put in our calculations of how we needed to build our business. And now that this has happened, I think one, just from a, you know, in the future, something like this could happen. And, and are we going to be, you know, anti-fragile out of this, right? Are we gonna, going to become more resilient and, and be prepared? Um, but two, I think realizing that there's opportunity in preparing to uh, to do things, you know, from a re- remote standpoint and from a scale standpoint, that that actually can be a better way to do business, um, having that flexibility. And so I think where, you know, the remote scalability thing was not a priority for a lot of businesses, if it doesn't become a uh, a very obvious thing to include high up in the priorities now, then I, I think, I mean, that would be really surprising to me. 
um, you know, one thing about the trust and the scalability thing uh, together, I think, uh, you know, not talking about systems now, just, uh, just talking about, about people. One of the biggest things that I could say that I could recommend from a building and maintaining trust standpoint is actually kind of the least scalable thing. It's that when you're working remote, you need to maintain very good one-on-one -on -one contact and one-on-one -on -one relationships that, uh, you know, in an office you can get away with as a, as a boss or manager, kind of the, uh, all right, everyone gather around, I'm going to say something. Um, and, uh, and just sort of monitoring the general picture of, of how everyone's doing and sort of broadcasting more. But when you're working remote, if you want to build and maintain trust, every person who is, has a direct report needs to be in one-on-one -on -one contact, uh, making sure that they, they understand the needs and the situation, the personal situation that people are in. That is, is less scalable than sort of this broadcast, like the CEO says, like, here's what's going on having the CEO talk with their direct reports and their direct reports talk with their direct reports one-on-one, -on -one, spending that quality time just checking in, even if it's you know just a, a few moments at a time, that is really helpful and really important. So uh, you reminded me with the scale question and I, I think a lot of times when we are trying to address issues with people uh, as, uh, as leaders and managers, you know, someone, I'll use an analogy from when I was in college, someone at my college climbed a tree and fell out of the tree and broke their arm. So the college made a rule, no climbing trees on campus. Really, the issue is that one person, right? You know, you can tell everyone, hey, a kid fell out of a tree and broke their arm, do what you want with that information. But, you know, really, the person who needs to be talked to is anyone who's climbing trees, not the whole making a rule for the whole campus. So I think, don't do that, the equivalent of that as a manager with your remote workers. If someone has an issue, they do something wrong, you know, maybe especially with something like security, deal with them, resolve the issue with them, take a real deep one-on-one -on -one empathetic dive with them. And then you can tell, you know, the team, you know, any guidelines you have for them, but don't punish everyone for one person's mistake. That'll also make that one person feel awful and people not trust them anymore as well. So Sorry to backtrack to that question, but I think that's an extra crucial thing to keep in mind when working with remote teams. I think because um, you have a lot of uh, studies in historical teamwork and how as a, a human beings, we, we develop this uh, way of, of dealing with each other and all that. So th those anecdotes kind of sheds quick light on like, yes, I can relate. I can still relate. It's like the response to that, is that proportional? You know, uh, uh, does that, mm -hmm. should, should you go from there to, to there? But another thing, uh, it, it is really interesting what you said. It, 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 in a remote situation, almost um, counterintuitively, this whole one-to-one -one relationship, one-to-one -to -one communication is, is perhaps more important than yeah. than in on premises kind of working together and place together and I never thought of it that way, but it, it what I do believe in is um, there there is no collaboration without communication. It is really about uh, communication at the end of the day. Now we are you know just like what we are doing right now and and remotely working we're doing teleconferencing we're using you know uh, messaging apps collaboration tools and and those things you mentioned and how that changes and in terms of the, uh, the tech savviness as an organization as a whole 
how much of that really matters in this kind of situation for kind of a collaboration to go within organization as well as outside? Because you mentioned Slack. It's the kind of channel that is pretty much um, different channels for different teams. Or Mm -hmm. you start, it's a cloud service app that everybody has access to, but the way we are using it is very much in that um, in that groups that we create. So, I mean, can we? This question I didn't even think about before we start talking is this: you have this many different digital tools these days, and what are you seeing out there where where things are created, but it's it's kind of a um, tuned differently so that it, it reflects the way we human beings are versus how it was originally designed to work. For example, like right now we have a lot of uh, um, our clients who are using uh, WhatsApp business APIs. It was mm-hmm. it was ma- basically designed for really big scale application, you know, software's talking to each other, to their customers, but the interaction is to really create this one-to-one communications. So given all these different communication tools that exist, talking with between colleagues, as well as outside partners and their customers, how are we using it in the same way that how human beings have been communicating all all the time after all. Yeah, oh, it's a really interesting question. I'm I'm thinking about my experience versus uh, you know folks that I've I've been interviewing and talking to. I think to start, everything. My theory is that everything in social media is basically a variation on a text message. What I mean by that is. Via SMS, you can send short texts of, uh, you know, of, of letters and numbers and emojis, and you can send pictures and you can send videos. And if you think about Twitter, Twitter is basically broadcasting those things, short texts and, and pictures and videos. Facebook is basically doing that. Um, and then when you get into, you know, Instagram is, is mostly just, just pictures. When you get into uh, like business social apps. It's basically that same thing, but with different configurations of groups and teams. So, you know, Slack, you're sending short text messages and, and pictures and, uh, and videos. Microsoft Teams, which is a tool that I really love, you're doing all those same things too. But there's also repositories for files that's a little bit different. And, you know, what, uh, what I've seen is that uh, WhatsApp, in, in particular, for, for most of the people that, I'm, that I, I, I text personally, we have WhatsApp groups for, for different configurations of friends. And, and uh, you know, and, you know I, I text my wife on WhatsApp. And, uh, and now, I think especially as more people are working remote, I've noticed that a lot of my business conversations have moved to WhatsApp as well. And, and that's interesting. And I, think, I suspect a lot of people are experiencing this. And you know, because it's all a variation on an SMS, it's a very familiar behavior, but the organization of that becomes something that, that if you just allow it to happen, it's easy for communication apps to manage you rather than you to manage them. So when I think about 
what's useful about say Slack or Microsoft Teams or HipChat or something that's a team-based chat, group chat app. Uh, there's organizational principles that make it easier to not have it run your life. You can hop in and hop out. The analogy that a, a friend of mine who writes about distractions, his name's Nir Eyal, uh, a, a psychology researcher, he says that team chat should be like a sauna. You don't stay in all day long. And you hop in and hop out. <laughs> and plug uh, into so, cold water and come back out. Yeah, and and they're built for for being able to uh, to ideally, if especially if you set it up right. To search for files, you know where where was that conversation we had about this? Oh well, it's all open and the files in there. You can find it. But as more of my business conversations have been moving to WhatsApp, because now everything is a little more intertwined with my personal life, because I'm working entirely remotely, I've noticed that uh, that it's it's easier for me to integrate business communication into my workflow, but it's also harder for me to find important information. So it adds the need to uh, to have some sort of repository for information. I've now added Trello as a project management tool for my kind of my side business uh, projects, like the online courses and stuff. Because before I could just manage it, uh, and now because it's mixed in with my personal chats, I have to have a place where you can find the most up to date information and to do lists and all of that. Um, so that's changing. However, I think you know to the the WhatsApp business solutions thing, I am much more comfortable having a, a conversation, a business conversation, say with a, you know, like a bank where I'm, I'm doing customer service or whatever, by, by just, if they have WhatsApp available, that's so much easier for me, so much simpler. I think that's a, a marvelous tech solution versus loading up their, you know, their chat or figuring out how to contact them. Um, and so I think this sort of blending of personal and business communication is enabling uh, sort of better customer service opportunities for businesses that, you know, they want to connect with people on their terms. And I think that's another principle actually that's, that's important is as a business, if you can, I mean, this is one of the things that we, we really learned at Contently, if you can become part of someone else's standard workflow rather than teaching them a new workflow, that makes things a lot easier. So contently, one of the features is if you're doing content and a lawyer needs to approve it, instead of having the lawyer get a contently account, sign in, figure out the interface, find the documents, approve them, you just hit a button and it sends the document to the lawyer over email and they can make modifications and approve uh, from that interface. You know, they can hit the approve button or if they need to make modifications, they can hit a button that then takes them to the place that they need to go. Um, so working into their workflow because they're working in email all day is really important. And I think that's where WhatsApp is really interesting from a communication standpoint. I don't know much about Slack for customer service, um, but this sort of business interacting with their customers is a little bit different than a business interacting internally with its teams. So the long story short with this monologue in answer to your question is that uh, I think consumer behavior is changing paying attention to that and seeing as a business how you can make things easier by slotting into their communication is very important. And on the other side of that, as a business, and as a worker, especially a remote worker, being clear about where the best places to communicate with you, depending on what it is, I think is very important too. For me, if there's an emergency, everyone that I collaborate knows, collaborate with knows, send me a text or send me a phone call. The text should say urgent um, if it's truly urgent. If it can wait a little bit, then send me a WhatsApp. 
because that's what I'm using now. And if it can wait like a day or more, then send me an email. That's fine. And anything that needs to be found later needs to go in Trello because that's where we put all the important information. So just being clear about that and those boundaries. And you know, if someone calls me and it's not an emergency, I'm going to tell them, hey, this is not an emergency. Next time, you know, just hit me up over WhatsApp. So uh, there's a lot of things that I, I just answered in there, but I, that's how I think about the evolution of our communication now. Um, and a lot of it is spurred by this crisis itself, forcing us to actually think about these things in a way we didn't before. I'm going to even go one step further. I actually, um, I don't know how this will become um, normal again. I don't know if, mm -hmm. uh, if, if, that, if that is what we should start thinking about. But, but I mean, let's think about this. People coming back to physical workplace, but they will be bringing back now newly acquired habits of working remotely mm -hmm. with a, a different experience. And th this is part of a, a relate to what you're talking about is, is you think sometimes technology is, 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 is a tool that we are designing this to meet certain human needs and you make this, but sometimes it's a completely other way. And you're, you're so used to using this, like on, on a remote situation, you tend to bring those things inside. <laughs> Technically, you don't need it. <laughs> you could be, you know, back to your desktop. You could be doing email, whatever, and and then, but you might be bringing your new habit of using different, you know, communication tools, and and hence complication. Whether the corporate world will embrace and and start supporting all of this um, or not is is to be seen. But I, I really see the people who are trying new things, perhaps for the first time, they might be bringing in their own newly acquired habits. And so it's, it's going to be interesting. Now, put, yeah. your, um, uh, put yourself into that boss situation again. <laughs> Is this a new clue that you should start like paying attention to? Oh, you figured out how to work differently while in this situation, should should we be trying to learn and collect this and try to reflect the general um, standard way of running the business? Even we are, uh, you know, after this crisis mode, or is is this something you think is just a one time endurance? Well, I hope this pandemic is a one time thing, but I I hope that the the lessons we're learning don't end with the pandemic. I think that there's opportunity to change when things force you out of your normal situation. You know, um, research in human behavior and, and neuroscience shows that you're much more likely to change your mind about something important when you are traveling or when you're living somewhere that's not home. Because when you're out of that normal space and that normal routine, you're more open to considering new ways of doing things. And I think that applies here. Um, if you're forced to adopt a different work style because of your new work environment, because you have to work from home now, that is going to change the way and make you more open to changing the way you think about work generally. So here's an example. I think a lot of people are figuring out that you can get the things that you need to accomplish without as many meetings. And so hopefully when we go back to work, we won't call a meeting just to ask a question. 
we won't call a meeting so that we can put off thinking about something uh, because we've learned that you can do things a little bit differently. So we default to meetings for all sorts of reasons when we're in the office. Now it's more of a pain to arrange a meeting and, and it's kind of a drag, especially a big, large person meeting. So we're figuring out ways to get around that and still get work done. Hopefully that's going to stick um, so we don't waste as much time and effort and we, we can, I guess, be more thoughtful about, you know, when we need to meet face to face with the group, it's going to be for a really good reason. And when it can be more efficient, we can, you know, use that team chat instead. I think that's, I hope that that sticks. One of the things that I'm hoping people learn is that we're all different. Our work styles are very different. Now, when we're working from different places, we're all working from home. That's even more apparent because there's a geographic and, you know, a space issue uh, as well. But if you figure out how you work best on your own, you know, you think the most clearly in the morning, you're able to get in the flow, you know, only after, only if you have quiet or if you have music or, you know, the afternoon is when you can do really good heads down work. Or maybe the afternoon is when you really should not be making uh, big decisions because uh, that's just, you know, not how you're wired. You figure that out and, and you can kind of work that way when you're, you're working from home. Um, and you figure out what are the best ways to communicate with you that can help them to work better with you too. So I think as a manager, this hopefully will, will be a bit of a forcing function to figure out when is the best time for me to have a hard conversation with Gene. When, you know, how does Shane manage his to-do list and how can I present this thing that I need him to do in a way that's going to help him out rather than treating everyone the same? Kind of like you know, parents that have multiple kids know that that how you get a kid to do chores is going to be different than how you get the other kid to do chores, or how discipline that works with one kid will not work with another. Um, you know, not to say we should treat our you know our teammates like kids. You know, if you're a boss, but uh, but that customization to personality and work style hopefully will stick. You know, I think as a manager for me, I'm being more mindful of that, and and hopefully a lot of bosses will will go back to the office after this is all over and say, oh, I figured out that, uh, you know, that Shane uh, needs to approach this way with certain things, or I figured out that, uh, you know, the best way to communicate with these people is going to be like this, and taking a little bit extra effort, but realizing it's not that much extra effort, because we've gotten used to it through this time, and we've had to be really flexible. So yeah, that's the summary, I think, is that forcing yourself to be flexible makes you realize that you can be more flexible, and that there's advantages to that. I totally agree with many of you, uh, what you just said. And, and I think that the whole parental analogy is uh, actually becoming real for many people right now because, you know, kids being in, at home, you like have to swift, uh, switch the mode here, okay? And you're talking to the kids and try not to bring that tone <laughs> of a voice and, and, yeah. and, and working with your colleague. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, I was in the kindergarten mode. You know, you have to just kind of snap out of it. Yeah, hopefully your colleagues have a little more empathy for you because of that too. They realize you're human, you have a, you have a family, right? Like I was just uh, at a call with uh, my accountant uh, the other day and, and she's a grandmother and she's like, her grandkids are staying with her. And they kept on barging in and interrupting. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, you know what? Like maybe normally your clients would be like, this is so unprofessional. But right now it's like, oh wait, we're all human. We're all have these things. And it made me feel like I care more about her seeing that 
she has this personal stuff she's going through too. So absolutely. The awareness and empathy, I am totally with that. Thank you again to Shane Snow for joining us today. Don't forget to tune into our next episode for the conclusion of our conversation with Shane. You can find out more about Shane and order his books at shanesnow.com. You can also learn more about Contently at contently.com. To find out more about Gene and Tentech, visit tentech.com. Make sure to search for Mobile Interactions Now in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Tentech, thanks for listening.